You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, good to see everybody today. Hope you had a great week. And uh, let's welcome our Femic Island campus. They're joining us right now. Let's give them a big hand. Thank you guys for joining us. We're so glad that you're with us right now, and we love you guys, and Pastor Chase, and everybody that's there. We're just so grateful for, for that campus, and also our online family. We have so many people watching online. We hear uh, all, every, every week where people are listening from. We're so glad that you're listening and a part of to, uh, today's service, so we're so grateful. And let us know where you're listening from. We'd love to hear from you, and we're so great that you're a part of today's service. Well, today we are, this is a big day. Because we are finishing Crazy Church People, this is the last uh, uh, message in the series, Crazy Church People, about the, the First Corinthians, the book of First Corinthians, so pretty exciting day, and uh, we've been working on this since the summer, so it's a big day, and you can say, hey, I was there when they finished that series, I was there. So anyhow, here we are. Hey, we're going to be in First Corinthians chapter 16, Paul's last uh, uh, chapter there, and the scroll he's been writing, uh, actually he's not writing the letter, but he's dictating the letter and there's somebody that's writing it down and they're getting to the end of the scroll and when you get to the end of the scroll you always notice Paul just says these quick little things at the end these little things and he's remembering people he wants to say things about so when you think about him, him producing this letter it was actually written on a scroll and so when they get to the end uh, you know Paul's oh my gosh just a little bit so he's saying this stuff real quick at the end so uh, here, let's, let me read a little bit of it to you and let me just I'm going to read uh, this in sections so let me read first of all uh, verses uh, 5 through uh, 11 11, and here's what it says, and after I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while and even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want you to want to see you now and only making a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. When Timothy comes, see to it that you, he has nothing to fear while he was with you for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I'm expecting him along with the brothers. So what Paul does here is he gives some his travel plans to the uh, church of Corinth and interesting little thing here he's telling us telling them his itinerary which shows his relationship to them that's important because sometimes when you think about uh, you know your relationship to somebody if you're close to somebody if you want to value that relationship you keep them in the loop of what you're doing and when you first get married uh, sometimes I know when I Karen and I first got married I was very independent and uh, it took me a while to figure out the importance of making sure that I was communicating with her about what I was doing. So when you have, uh, when you have an intimate relationship, a special relationship with someone, one of the ways you keep that relationship healthy is that you aren't independent. You don't just do what you want to do without communicating with them. But you can see how Paul values them. He's telling them what his travel plans are. So they are included. And he says, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, he's actually where Paul is right now. He's in Ephesus. And Ephesus is in what was called Asia at that point, And it's actually modern-day Turkey now. That's where he was. And there was a sea between them. And, uh, and Paul said he's going to leave probably sometime in the early fall. He was going to make a, a travel route. And he was going to come up through Macedonia. And then Macedonia is sort of like Kent County and Achaia where Corinth is like Sussex County. So he says, I'm going to come through Macedonia and then I'm going to come to you and I'm going to try to spend the winter there. Now let me just show you a map real quickly. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. But if you really want to understand the Bible better, uh, one of the ways to do that is to, is to get a, a grasp on, on, on some geography here. Now you see the yellow section up here? Uh, that yellow section is Macedonia. If you went a little further up from Macedonia, you'd go to Albania. That's where that is now. Macedonia is still a, a, still a country. Macedonia, then you've got Albania be, uh, beyond that. But 
in Macedonia, Paul had planted the church of Philippi, the church of Berea, the church of Thessalonica. So that's where he was. So he's coming through Macedonia. Where he is right now, he's over here in uh, Asia, which is Turkey now, in Ephesus. And he's going to go up there, go around the land. He's going to come through Macedonia. And then he's going to come down into Corinth. So he's going to come there. And uh, so he gives them his travel plans, what his travel plans are, and uh, he uses some interesting language here. He says, uh, perhaps I will spend the winter with you, and if, it's the, if the Lord permits, I will spend the winter with you. So notice how he builds into his language uh, some, some flexibility there. Now the reason that's important is because we know <clears throat> when we read the next book, 2 Corinthians, when we get into 1 Corinthians, we, when 1 Corinthians ends, Paul gives his travel plans. When we go to 2 Corinthians, just turn a page, you go to 2 Corinthians, start in verse 15, none of these plans worked out. What he said he was going to do didn't happen. And so his plans got completely hijacked. And so Paul is teaching them this principle, hey, listen, this is what I want to do, this is what I plan to do, this is what my, my intentions are, if the Lord permits. And if you're a rigid person and you make plans and those plans don't work out, it's going to mess you up. But let me just tell you something, life is about how you handle plan B. Life is about how you handle plan B because a lot of times your plans don't work out the way you think they're going to work out. And so you can get very frustrated in life. And Paul said, if the Lord permits. Now, he's not saying not to make plans, you know. In fact, the book of James, let me read uh, James chapter 4 to you. This is a cool little verse. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. James was a brother of Jesus, half-brother of Jesus, and, uh, you know, about 25 uh, verses in the book of James are influenced by the Sermon on the Mount. So James was a brown Jesus, of course, and uh, he picked up some of the values of Jesus. And here's what James says, James 4.13. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And it is, it, and as it is, you boast and brag, all such boasting is evil. Now, James doesn't say, uh, don't make plans. James says, make, make plans, but say, if it's the Lord's will. Karen said to me the other day, she said, uh, She's already talking about Thanksgiving, who's going to come, what we're going to do, what's going to look like, and we, we, we tend to plan ahead, which is a good thing. It's important to plan ahead. How many are planners by nature? You're a planner. You, like, you, you, got, you got stuff in your, uh, in your smartphone, you got your dates all down, you're a planner. And that's good. Some of you, you wake up and you're like, let it fly. Whatever happens. You know, there's some of you, and uh, well, there's probably not many of them here today, they miss church, you know, but anyhow... But, you know, Paul said, um, if the Lord permits. So he makes these plans, and notice he includes the people because he loves them, he cares about them. He values them by telling them the information of what he's going to do. And then he lays out his plans, and then his plans don't work out. And that's why he puts in there, if the Lord permits. So make your plans, and then say, if the Lord permits. Say, say this with me. We are to make plans. But always add, if the Lord permits. Karen and I were going to go uh, do Alaska cruise a couple of years ago. Actually, I think it was last year when we were supposed to do it. Uh, and uh, we've been planning this cruise for a, a long time. And we've been saving money. Every time I would, <clears throat> you know, get a little extra money, I'd put it in a little account. We had an Alaska cruise account. And you got to go to Alaska because, you know, that's what you do as you get older. You go to Alaska. That's part of it. And uh, when you go to Alaska, the end is near. You know, so that's what, that's what you do. So uh, we've been planning this trip and uh, went up to the travel agent, had all the money, had booked a flight, had it all, went to travel agent, and uh, in January, signed up for the cruise. We were going to go in August. We were pumped about the cruise. You know, it's going to be incredible. And then this thing happened in March. There was this thing we never heard of before called COVID. 
And uh, we were watching on the news. We didn't know a lot about COVID then. You know, COVID was just kind of barely in the news. And then we watched <clears throat> in March on the news, these, all these cruise lines kind of, you know, docked on the shores of California and all those people stuck on there and couldn't get off. And uh, so I called the travel agent. I said, you know, hey, we're not feeling good about this cruise, you know. You know, we noticed that those people there, you know, on the West Coast, they can't get off the cruise line because they all got COVID. And you know what they said? You'll be fine. You're going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Well, we were like, we were a little nervous. Well, next month, they closed all the cruise lines down. So I called again. I said, we're not going to be fine. We want our money back. But anyhow, after uh, three or four months and uh, 100 calls, we got our money back. But, you know, sometimes you make plans and they just don't work out. And you got to make sure that you understand this. God is sovereign over your change plans. God is sovereign over your change plans. Now, here's what I know about the Lord. The Lord doesn't always tell you before he changes your plans that he's going to change your plans. You know, he just does it. And you got to trust him in the midst of that confusion. Now, this week I went to the dentist. I have a great dentist, uh, Dr. McKelvey in Salisbury. And what I love about Dr. McKelvey is he's a great dentist and a Christian man. Just I love this guy. He's so good. But when he's working on me, I had a cracked tooth and I lost a, a filling and, and a part of a filling. And, and what I love about Dr. McKelvey is that while he's working on me, the whole time he's telling me what he's doing. He's one of these really highly communicative uh, dentists. And he says, now, now I'm getting ready to clean the tooth off. And we're going to spray some stuff in there. And then he said, uh, he said we're going to have to give you a little needle. There's going to be a little pinch here. Now, that's when he lied. It wasn't a little pinch. It was a big pinch. <laughs> and then he said, hey, listen, I'm now, now what I'm doing now is I'm taking out the rest of that filling that needs to come out. And he works on that for a while. And then when he gets that done, he says, now, I'm going to put a little metal brace around your tooth. And he talks to me the whole time, telling me what he's going to do. And I say to the Lord, why can't you be more like Dr. McKelvey? Why can't you be more like Dr. McKelvey? But the Lord doesn't do that. The Lord is, is sovereign over our life. And he can change our plans. And he may not tell you what his changes are before they happen. But there is no such thing as God changing your plans that is not a good thing for you. There is no such thing as God changing your plans that is not a good thing for you. I love what Charles Spurgeon said, God is too good to be unkind, too wise to make a mistake. I may not always be able to trace his hand, but I can always trust his heart. Say this with me, God changes my plans and it's always for my good. So that's, a, that's the first part. Then Paul mentions... Some people at the end of his book, which he often does. Verse 12, he says, Now about our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has opportunity. But on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous and strong, do everything in love. Now, that's a wonderful thing. He mentions Apollos, and the reason Apollos is important that he mentions is he mentions Apollos in the beginning of the book. Remember when we read in the beginning, you know, months ago, that there was a faction in the church that followed Apollos, that they loved Apollos. Apollos was a great orator. He was highly educated. He was from Alexandria, Egypt, which was the, was the Harvard of that day. They had a major library there. All the smart people came from Alexandria. And so he was, he was very educated. He was a great a communicator, great orator, and the people of, of Corinth loved Apollos. And so some people said, we follow Apollos. Some said, we follow Paul. Some say, we follow Peter. Uh, some follow, you know, just a, you know, no leader particularly. And so he mentions Apollos. And why that's important is Paul said he knew that the Corinthians wanted Apollos to come. And, and Apollos was, uh, you know, was, uh, was, was wanting to come, but his plans didn't, he couldn't go at that time. And here's what the, the subtle application is there. There is no rivalry between Apollos and Paul. Apollos and Paul are not competing with each other. They have different kind of ministries, 
but they have very valid ministries, and there's unity between Apollos and Paul. And so it's a great picture that uh, the church is supposed to model unity. There's been a lot of uh, fractions in the church of Corinth, and, and Paul is demonstrating, listen, there may be some fractions in the church, but there's no fractions in the leadership. Apollos and Paul are in harmony with each other. Listen, if you want to have an organization that has unity, there needs to be unity at the top flowing down to the bottom. Leaders need to be verbose in their uh, disagreements and conversations, and you need to hammer things out. But at the end of the day, leaders need to be in unity. And when you've got a church that's in unity, you've got a leadership that's in unity, you'll have a church that's in unity. What is really troubling in America is there's so much divisiveness at the governmental level, and the church needs to be a different uh, model the church needs to model unity of leadership and that unity of leadership will flow down to the church itself do you know, want to know why our country is so divided the reason our country is so divided is because the leaders at the top are divided and so hey listen democracy is where there's uh, verbose arguments and and working things out but at the end of the day we're all americans we link our arms together and we work together because if there's leadership unity there'll be unity below and one of the reasons that we have so much division is a lack of leadership at the top lack of unity at the top and my just big challenge here in gumborough over the waves here is that we need to get unity at the top so we can have unity at the bottom can you say big amen so he mentions Apollos then verse 15 he mentions a few other people he says verse 15 you know that the household of Stephanus as I mentioned Paul kind of like he always does these little people he mentions all these people at the end you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia and they devoted themselves to the service of the Lord I urge you, brothers and sisters, submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunus, and Achaeus arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you, for they refresh my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve our recognition." So that's a wonderful thing. He mentions Stephanus and uh, Caius and Fortunus. And these are people that probably bought, brought a letter of questions to Paul. And, and so he mentions Stephanus first. Stephanus. Now here's what we know about Stephanus and the household of Stephanus. Stephanus was the first convert in Achaia, which means Corinth. Achaia is the county. Corinth is the town. So Stephanus was the first convert in Achaia so they have the longest Stephanus has the longest history with the church than anybody else does Paul said when I came to Achaia there weren't any Christians in Corinth there was zero Christians and Paul started preaching in the synagogue and the very first people that responded was a family by the name of Stephanus and his his wife and his kids and they got saved. And, 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 they, and this we know from the beginning of 1 Corinthians 1, 6. It says that Paul didn't baptize a bunch of people, but he did baptize Stephanus uh, and his family. And the reason he baptized them is because there weren't any Christians yet to help him. So Paul baptized them. And so they had the longest, Stephanus had the longest history with the church uh, more than anybody. Now here's what I want to say about that. I am incredibly grateful in this church that we have people that are Stephanuses, that you have a long history with this church. You know, a great church has new people and it has veterans. You want a, a good church, is you, if you've got all veterans, you know, and you don't have any new people, that's not good. If you've got all new people, no veterans, and just got all this turnover, you don't have a good, healthy church. But we want to have a healthy church, and a healthy church is where you got some Stephanuses that have long history with the church. Let me ask this question here. How many have been at Bayshore between 10 and 20 years? Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand up high. Between 10 and 20 years. How many have been at Bayshore between 20 and 30 years? Just raise your hand. 20 and 30 years. How many have been to Bayshore more than 30 years? If you're able to raise your hand, just lift it up. There you go. So look around. We have Stephanuses in our church. How many people have been here between a, a less than a year and five years? Just raise your hand. 
Let's give these people a hand. That's amazing. Isn't that incredible? I know in Fenwick Island right now, the same thing is true. We've got veterans and we've got people that are new. Stephanus had the longest history with the church. Had the longest history with the church. So good churches have people that have a long history. They have roots in the church. They've been through the storms Every church has storms. Every church has difficulties. And, you know, what happens today is there's a little storm. People like, whoo, they're out. But good churches are where people put their roots down and they grow year after year. And I just think, Stephanus, that's a wonderful, wonderful application of this text. Then he mentions uh, Fortinus, Fortinus. Uh, this is verse 17. Let's put verse 17 on the, on the screen here. Verse 17. This is where we have uh, verse 17 says, uh, I was glad when Stephanus and Fortinus. Now, what do you think Fortinus means? You know, just take a guess. What do you think Fortinus means? It, it means fortunate. His name means fortunate. And I love that. I want you to know that you're fortunate. You're fortunate. Last Sunday, I realized how fortunate I was. Uh, you know, I was, uh, Karen and I had some stuff that when we went on our beach vacation with our family a couple weeks ago, you know, that I took a bunch of stuff home that wasn't my stuff and chairs that weren't mine. And so I, I drove, Karen and I drove last Sunday after church, drove to Joel and Stacy's house down in Bethany. And we pull in the driveway in my white pickup truck. When I pull in the driveway in my white pickup truck, my two little grandkids, Nixon and Nora, running down the, down the driveway. Papa, Papa, Mimi, Papa. I'm telling you, it was like lit my heart up, you know. Joel and Stacy came. I didn't want to talk to them. I want to talk to these grandkids. They just, they're just the cutest kids. And I, if I had time, I would show you some pictures. And one guy said to this you know, friend of his, you know, have I showed you the picture of my grandkids? He said no, and he said, I want to thank you for that. But anyhow, uh, how, many have ever, how many have ever gotten the phone out and showed a picture of your grandkids to your friends? Oh, my gosh. But I realized how fortunate I was. I, got, I am fortunate. I stand in front of this wonderful congregation in Fenwick Island preaching God's word. I am a fortunate man. I went to... Uh, to Walgreens to get some medication the other day from, uh, I was out of some meds the doctor wanted me to get, and I went to the, the Walgreens, and I'm standing there, and I'm looking at all the people there, and I just had, a, had an epiphany of how fortunate I am to live in a country when you need medical help, you can get the medical help you need, and you know there's third world countries that you can't get medicine, and I'm standing there, and I remember how fortunate I was. Karen had knee replacement on Thursday, and I picked her up uh, Friday to take her home, and, um, and she's, it was a beautiful day, and we're in the car, and Karen was just saying how fortunate we are that we had such a great experience at the hospital. Listen, we need people that have a fortunate attitude. We are fortunate. Say this with me. I am a fortunate person. Say it one more time. Lift your hands up just a little bit. Maybe you're not even charismatic. Just lift your hands up and say, I am a fortunate person. And Fortunus was there. Say, you know, I think this guy, he's, he's the happy guy. He's the happy guy in the church. He's just happy. He's just thankful all the time. You know, and even if you're going through a hard time, even if things are difficult, Remember that you are fortunate. You are fortunate. I, I remember Ronald Reagan saying about the little boy that walked by a, a room filled with manure, and the little boy said, you know, there's got to be a pony in there somewhere. <laughs> How many know that in every room of our life that's filled with manure, there's a pony in there? There's something that are, it's fortunate, something for us to be thankful about. And so regardless of where you are, what you're going through, regardless of your status in life, I want you to know that you need to be a person that finds the pony in the room full of manure because he was fortunate. He was a fortunate. Stephanus in verse 17, fortunate. And Achaeus, Achaeus, Achaeus. Now, what does his name mean? Verse 17, let's put that on the screen again. We got, I was glad when Stephanus and Fortunus and Achaeus 
Now, what does Achaeus mean? Well, Achaeus simply means from Achaia. From Achaia. He's a local guy. He's a local guy. Achaia, remember, is the county. Corinth is in Achaia. So Achaia is a local guy. And hey, listen, our church is this wonderful blend of local people and new people into our community. I'm so excited. Every week I, I meet new people into our community, and we're very fortunate. This is such a beautiful place that people want to come live here. And so Achaeus was a local guy. He was a local guy. And we know if you're from Sussex County, we know if you're from Sussex County. You know how we know that? We know you're from Sussex County if you grew up eating Scrapple. Just raise your hand if you grew up eating Scrapple. How many eat Scrapple? How many are new here and you tried Scrapple and you say, I'm not going there? You, maybe you said that. So Achaia was a local guy. So our church is designed to be, you know, people with their roots in the community, people that are new to our community, and together we come together and we are making a wonderful, very, very special church. I remember when I first moved here uh, 40 years ago, when I moved here, I was you know, a young guy, and uh, I was new to Gumboro, and I was actually from Sussex County, but Gumboro is a whole different deal. I mean, living in Gumboro is just different. And I went to the little store down there, and I saw uh, the little store in Gumboro, and I saw a lady there, and uh, I thought maybe she went to the church. I didn't know anybody. I was a young pastor, and I, said, I reached out my hand. I said, well, how are you today? And she said, I don't believe I know you, do I? Well, that's an awkward moment. You just put your hand back in your pocket, you know, and turn around. But how many know that we're to be loving and greeting people that are new to our community? And aren't you glad that our community is growing and a wonderful place to live? Can you say a big amen? Okay, now we come to my favorite people here, Aquila and Priscilla. Verse 19, the churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so also the church that meets in their house. All the brothers and sisters have here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, this is a wonderful couple, Achaia, or, uh, Aquila and Priscilla, and they're mentioned about seven times in the New Testament. But the first time we meet them is that Paul has just come from Athens in chapter 17 of Acts, he comes from Athens, and it's been a horrible experience. Uh, he's been rejected by the, the government at Athens. He hasn't had, he's had very little success in Athens. Athens is one of the few places, maybe the only place, that Paul ever went that he didn't plant a church. So he went to Athens, and they just, just, just stonewalled him. And he leaves Athens, and he's a little discouraged, and he goes to Corinth, and when he's in Corinth, he needs to get a job, so he's a tent maker, and so he finds these other tent makers named Aquila and Priscilla, and they, they begin to work together. And it's not clear if, if Aquila and Priscilla are already Christians or if Paul led them to Christ, but Aquila and Priscilla and Paul begin to work together, and here's the thing. They were friends the rest of Paul's life. They were hard, fast friends the rest of Paul's life. He mentions them in all, almost all of his letters. And at his last letter is 2 Timothy. He's in Rome. He's in jail facing execution by Nero. And the last people he mentions in the last chapter of the last book he ever wrote was Aquila and Priscilla. He loved these, this couple dearly. And Aquila's the man. Priscilla is the wife and most of the time of the seven times that they're mentioned most of the time Priscilla her name occurs first and Aquila's name occurs second so scholars surmise that Priscilla is this larger than life's personality as a woman and she has the more dominant personality and they called her it was Priscilla and Aquila not Aquila and Priscilla but they work together there's this wonderful married couple they always had they always had uh, churches in their homes. They lived in uh, Rome. They had church in, in, in their home in Rome. They lived in Corinth. They helped Paul, of course, in Corinth when he first met them, and they had a church in their home. They were in Ephesus. They had a church in their home in Ephesus. So these people opened their hearts up, and they let people come to their house, and they ministered them, and they became Paul's best friends for the rest of his life. Everybody needs some Aquila and Priscilla's that will be your friends for life. 
And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And they represent a married couple serving Jesus together. A married couple serving Jesus together. And when I stand out in the parking lot on Sunday morning, I love when I see couples coming to church together. And there's different models. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But it's wonderful to see couples coming together to church. Husbands and wives that are serving the Lord. Sometimes you've got husband that comes by himself. Sometimes you've got a wife that comes by himself and by themselves. And, you know, obviously that God has special grace and special calling on those people. But it's a wonderful thing when you see husband and wives coming together. Now, I was uh, standing in the parking lot one day, and Stan and Ruth King are here today. And Stan and Ruth are leaders in our community. And I was out in the parking lot doing my thing, and I saw Stan and Ruth get out of their uh, car, and uh, they're starting to walk to the front door, and they took hands. And they're swinging hands, and they're walking to church together. Here's a picture of Stan and, and Ruth. I think we got a picture of them. And uh, this is when they were in Greece, actually, so a uh, wonderful picture. And in my opinion... Our church has Aquila and Priscilla's, people that have served the Lord together. Rarely do I see Stan come by himself or Ruth come by themselves. It's usually Stan and Ruth together. Now, we've got some other pictures here, some other people. Uh, let me see. We got, here's uh, Sam and Lucy Richardson. Sam and Lucy are, are children's directors here. Now, here, here's a cool story about Sam and Lucy. Uh, Lucy came here to church first. Stan, uh, uh, Sam was an uh, agnostic slash maybe atheist and so Lucy started coming to church here and Lucy loved it and she invited Sam and Sam had had some bad experiences growing up with church and some hypocritical things he saw in church and it's a whole bunch of you know baloney but finally uh finally uh Lucy got Sam to come and he came one Sunday and here's what won Sam to the church and to the Lord uh Aubrey uh, was up here uh, helping lead worship uh, and, and Ferruccio, Aubrey Ferruccio and she was up here leading worship and she didn't have any shoes on she was leading barefooted and Sam in the back row that impressed him that there was a church that somebody could be in church barefooted on stage leading worship and he said I like that church <laughs> who knew who would have thought that that little thing would make a difference? But what he experienced was, was this is a real church with real people that love Jesus. They're just regular people, and you don't have to get dressed up in a coat and tie. You can just come to church how you are. If you want to wear a tie, you want to wear a coat, you can. But you can come as you are, and it's okay. And Sam came a few weeks, and then he found Jesus, and he ended up in ministry, and he's serving our children today with Lucy. And I think we should celebrate that. Isn't that a wonderful thing? we got another picture here. Uh, this is Tom and June Taylor. They've been my friends and Karen and I's friends for years. Tom and June. Uh, it's always Tom and June. It's never June. It's never Tom. It's always Tom and June. It's like Aquila and Priscilla. It goes together. They're, you never say their name without saying the other person's name. And the same things are true of Aquila and Priscilla in the text. You never, ever have Aquila without Priscilla. They go together. And Tom and June love Jesus, and Tom uh, came here. Uh, June drug him here. When June tells you you're going to do something, you're going to do it. So she, she got Tom to come, and uh, Tom's been serving the Lord. This very building that you're in right now, he and Tom and Roe, uh, who's also another, Tom and Jody, another Aquila and Priscilla in our church, uh, Tom oversaw the, oversaw the construction of this building you're in. He's been here for over 30 years. And uh, they've been to mission trips to Guatemala, probably four or five times to Guatemala, and just serving Jesus, praying for their kids, praying for their grandkids, going through life, and just doing Aquila and Priscilla stuff. Here's a couple more, just real quickly. 
Uh, this is Robin Heather Little. Robin Heather Little are at our Fenwick Island campus, and they uh, have opened their home for years for a uh, dinner Bible study, and they're like Aquila and Priscilla. Been serving the Lord for decades in our church, and uh, true Aquila and Priscilla. And we got another picture, I think, one more. This is Nick and Judy Chumbrus, and we love them dearly. They're at the Fenwick Island campus, and uh, really special people in our church. And Nick and Judy have opened up their home uh, time and time again to serve people, and, and they, they just love and serve the Lord. And Nick comes to my men's Bible study, and Judy and him go to a Bible study together. And it's always, it's always Nick and Judy. It's always Nick and Judy. Here's uh, one more, we think, here. One more, I think. Uh, this is uh, Rock and Leanne, Rocky and Leanne Green. They're here today. Rocky and Leanne always come to church together, always got their holding hands together. They love each other and just serve our community, serve our church, and serve on the host team. Rocky's one of our board members. And I think we do have one more. This is uh, Bruce and Susie Cooper. I think we got a picture of Bruce and Susie Cooper. Nope, we don't. Anyhow, but hey, listen, there's others. I didn't get to mention everybody. And uh, some of you are here with your spouse. If you're here with your spouse today, just raise your hand. Just uh, lift up your hands. And that's so wonderful. That's a wonderful picture. So I've got a little, uh, a little video thing, like a two-minute thing. And it just shows some pictures of people in uh, our church that are Quill and Priscilla's. And then we'll come back and finish the sermon. All right, let's give a hand for all the couples that come to Bay Shore. Wonderful, wonderful part of our church. Now, let me just say this. There are other models. There's people that uh, don't come to church with their spouse. Sometimes it's because there's been a... Uh, uh, they're, they're widowers. They've lost their spouse. And we have people in our church like Anna in the book of Luke... Anna, remember, she was married for seven years at the Christmas story. Maybe you remember Anna, married for seven years, and then her husband died. And for the next, until uh, she was 84 years old, she served in the temple by herself as a single person. And she loved Jesus. And when Jesus was brought by Joseph and Mary to the temple to be dedicated, it was Anna that spoke a prophetic word over him. And so God uses people that are single. You say, well, Pastor Danny, you mentioned Aquila and Priscilla. That's a persuasive argument. What about us singles? Well, let me give you a couple examples of singles in this text. One example is Paul himself. Paul was not married. Now, there's, regardless of what Dan Brown says or whatever, Jesus wasn't married either. Uh, Paul was not married. We know from the book of Corinthians, he says uh, that he wasn't married. And uh, so Paul is a single guy that doesn't have a wife, doesn't have children, and God is using him. So you have people like that, and you've got widowers. And then you've got people in our church that went through a divorce that they did not order, did not want. But God can use us out of our brokenness to use us in a, in a special way. And I was thinking about uh, widowers. I was thinking about uh, Brenda Obergefell, who lost her husband. And Brenda's a wonderful part of our church, and we love her, and she's serving the Lord. And would you give Brenda a hand, how much we love and appreciate her. <laughs> then we have Beverly LePec, who is a, a, a widower that serves as teaching and teaching ministry here. And so Beverly, let's give Beverly a hand for her wonderful ministry here. So there are these wonderful models, husband and wives together, and then people that are single that God uses. But those of you that are married and those of you that are maybe young and want to get married, the best way, the best way to spend your life is to marry somebody that loves Jesus, that's, compa that's compatible with you, with your love for Jesus,
and lock your hands together and like Aquila and Priscilla, serve the Lord together. Now Paul ends his book by saying, by, by a prayer, and it's the end of the book, he says, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. That's how he ends the book, and then he says, I love you at the end. Come, Lord Jesus. It's the word in the Aramaic. It's actually in Aramaic in the original language, and it's Maranatha. Maranatha. Everybody say Maranatha. Maranatha. Say it one more time. Maranatha. It means our Lord come. It's a prayer, our Lord come. So he ends his book with love each other, serve the Lord together, and then he gives this prayer, Lord come. And all of us, we stand on the precipice waiting for the second coming of Jesus We're serving Jesus, Aquila and Priscilla, singles, serving Jesus together, waiting for the coming of the Lord. And that's who we are today. We are people waiting for the wonderful coming of the Lord. Would you lift your hands to the Lord right now? We're getting ready to have a time of worship. In fact, why don't you stand up as we get ready for worship? We're going to be having a great time of worship. And uh, I want you just to lift your hands, lift your voices. Now, Father, as we prepare for worship at the Femic Island campus, And also at this campus, we're going to be lifting our voices loud and bold to you. And we thank you for everybody that's been listening online today. Let them enter into this time of worship with us. Let us all over this community be worshiping the Lord together. And we pray, Maranatha, come, Lord. Come, Lord. We wait for you to come. Lord, we purify our hearts as we wait. We purify our lives. We're waiting in anticipation for your coming. And all who have this hope purify themselves. So, Lord, we want to walk in holiness this week. We want to walk in godliness this week. Help us to overcome our temptations. Help us to overcome any insecurities that we have. And help us to walk in the power of the Spirit this week. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen.
Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only He can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.